podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, Two Footed Podcast on Friday, the 21st of October, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield, or VPN provider, a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Go to LibertyShield.com right now, use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. Stephen Gerrard has been sacked as Aston Villa manager. Villa lost last night in rather embarrassing fashion. 3-0 away to Fulham. Harrison Reed, a Mitrovic penalty and a Tyron Mings own goal. Capped off a miserable night. Douglas Louise was sent off for Villa, though I did think it was a little bit of a soft red card. However, during the game, you had the Fulham fans and the Villa, Villa fans singing, you're getting sacked in the morning. It was quite a spectacular show of discontent from the Aston Villa fans. And I believe Miguel Delaney, uh, chief football writer with the Independent, said it was the worst he'd ever seen in terms of fans turning on managers. The Villa fans were one of the deepest shows of dissent I've ever seen. Not just the ferocity of it, but the imagination. Booing specific pieces of their own team's play. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Steven Gerrard is gone. And it's not a surprise. He has not done well at Villa. He must now reassess. He will not get another Premier League job unless he goes and proves himself somewhere else. I don't see Gerard going to France or Spain or Italy or Germany or Portugal right now. I think he needs to drop down the leagues. And I think he needs to go and learn how to be a manager out of the spotlight. Like Rangers is a big club. That was his first job. But the year they did really well was the year where there was no fans and there was a little bit less pressure. Now, I've been over what I think of him winning the league at Rangers was a result of and what it means. But the bottom line is he had a huge financial advantage. He had a team that was a division better than the rest of the league. He had a mid-table championship team and outside of Celtic, the rest of the Scottish Premiership are sort of bottom half League One teams. You might get the odd one that sneak into the top half. But you can't take too much from that. He didn't get the Rangers job, because the Villa job, because of what he did at Rangers. He got the Rangers job because his name was Steven Gerrard, and he got the Villa job because his name was Steven Gerrard. He'll get his next job because his name is Steven Gerrard. But the following job, he needs to get because he's done really well somewhere else and I've mentioned Bristol City a few times as a as a club I think would make a lot of sense for him because it's a medium-sized club but it's a big city it's a nice city it's a city with a good fan base a loyal fan base a club that have never been in the Premier League a club with a good stadium 
with owners that seem willing to spend a bit of money. And I think if he took a job like that, got them promoted, stabilised them in the Premier League for a couple of years with no real risk of relegation, similar to what Thomas Frank is doing at Brentford, then I think he could attract another job around the kind of scale of what Villa was, a West Ham, a Leicester, a, a Wolves, whichever. And then from there, if he does well there, maybe gets them into Europe once or twice over a three-year span, then maybe he can step up again. And maybe at that point, he's learned a second language and he can go abroad, take on a, a big club in a foreign land, you know, Portugal, Germany, and in Portugal, perhaps he could get the Porto job or something and go and win the Portuguese league. In Germany, perhaps he'd get a munch and glad back, get them into the, into the Champions League, compete in the Champions League, show what you can do at that level. And then maybe you're ready to come back to England for a big six job. But you're talking about eight, nine years down the line, eight, nine years of real graft on your craft, on learning how to be a manager? Because right now he doesn't seem to know. Right now he just doesn't seem to know. He's certainly not a good manager right now. He absolutely could become a good manager, but he just isn't right now. Some players walk in and day, day one in their managerial career, they're, they're good. Ep, Zidane, as soon as they got their first First team jobs, off to the races. But they took very different approaches to Gerard. They managed the B teams at Barca and Real. Zidane was in the Real setup for five years. Gerard was in the Liverpool setup for less than a season. And the gulf from Rangers in Scotland to Villa in the Premier League was enormous. If he'd gotten Villa in the Championship, I think it could have been quite different. But his next job, he needs to be more realistic about his own level as a manager and drop down the divisions and put his ego to one side. If you really want to be a top manager, this is your opportunity to go and prove it. Take a couple of months off, clear your head, put your ego to one side, Maybe go and observe a couple of top managers and see how they work. Get some new ideas. You'll have Critchley. You'll have McAllister. You'll have the rest of your staff. And then you can walk into a job when one comes up. But don't dismiss championship and league one jobs because you think you're too big time. Because they're the type of jobs you need to go and prove yourself in. And if it's a league one job, then that is step one of four to get yourself ready for what your ultimate dream is, which is to manage Liverpool. If it's a championship club, that's step one of three. Get a championship club promoted and stabilise them. Take a mid-table Premier League club and get them into Europe. Then take a big club in a foreign country and win something. Win something. Get into the Champions League. Play in the Champions League. Show us what you can do. Because right now it's vibes. And without Michael Beale, things looked awful. And Beale, on the flip side, is doing really, really well at QPR. So, you know, that's the path for Gerard. The path for Villa is to take their time to do a proper managerial search. I think Pochettino should be the number one candidate. There's a chance he'll say no, of course. I think Tuchel is unrealistic. I don't think he'd take that job. I think Marcelo Gallardo would be very, very interesting. He's done very, very well at River Plate. He now wants to come to Europe. He plays an aggressive, fast-paced brand of football. They press high. They're tactically flexible. His four-man midfield, it's, it is a 4-4-2, four, four, but it's a four-flat two. It's a four-box two. It's a four-diamond two. He, they can change it up in-game. He likes that flexibility. And he's very, very good at spotting when he needs to make those changes. 
strong defensively. I think Gallardo makes a lot of sense. Uh, Guy is giving me the odds here. So we have Ruben Amaran. Odds on at the moment. Odds on favourite to get the job. Now, it's not far beyond evens, but considering, I think he turned down Wolves, I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised, but he would be a fantastic appointment. Like, if he is willing to take it, then he's my number one. Him, then Poch, then Gallardo. That's how I would look at the top three. Uh, Pochettino is second, uh, 9-2. to two. Sean Dyche is 5-1. to one. Unai Emery, they should avoid at all costs. Purely, he's a good manager, absolutely a good manager. But the brand of football is just an absolute abomination. So no to him. Thomas Frank, I saw mentioned. I think that's, I think he's a really good manager. I think he's really, really good. And I saw a few Villa fans yesterday say they didn't want him. Thomas Frank would be the best manager you've had in many years. Many, many years. He's a he's a really good manager. Beal at 20 to 1. Beal won't take it. Benitez at 20 to 1. I'll come back to it. Roberto Martinez and Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel won't take it. Martinez, they shouldn't consider. There is more chance of me taking the job at Aston Villa. Me, fella mouthpiece here on podcast, getting the Aston Villa job than Rafa Benitez. If you are unaware of the hatred, the hatred of Rafa Benitez and Christian Perslow, you need to go and look into that. Rafa despises the ground that Christian Perslow walks on because of how Perslow and others treated Rafa and the fans when they were running Liverpool. What Christian Perslow, the, the things he did, someone will write a book one day about the things Christian Perslow did at Liverpool. And it will shock and appall most people. Including putting together or, you know, getting minions to put together lists of fans they viewed as a threat to the ownership of the club under Hicks and Gillette. Referring to that group of of fans as the Chimer Rouge. Absolutely abhorrent behaviour including naming two very prominent journalists in that group. Not one, but two. So, yeah. Absolutely no chance Rafa goes there. Rafa can't stand him. Amram, Pochettino, Gallardo, Thomas Frank. That would be the shortlist for me. There may be one or two others that people think are worth a look. Um, I think it's possible, given how close we now are to the World Cup break, that they might look at maybe seeing if Casper Hillman would be interested after the World Cup. I think Roberto Mancini is at least worth kicking the tires on and seeing if he's interested. Now, he falls out with everybody, but he has managed in England before he's won the Premier League title. Um, and I think his cycle with the Italian national team is probably coming to an end. My guess would be Carlo Ancelotti is Italian manager next summer. After this season, I, I think he might take that job. Um, but I think Mancini's time is going to be up quite soon. He's obviously had a great run, but failing to get to the World Cup, I think might just push him to go. I don't think they'd sack him, but I think it'd push him to go. Uh, so Mancini would be one to to definitely keep an eye on. Um, of course, the uh, Kettle Knutson, or Knutson always comes up, the Bodo Glimp manager. His name does the rounds. I think for a club like Villa, they need to look at someone with a more of a proven track record. Um, he has done great work with Bodo, but he's never managed outside of um, outside of Norway. And I would be cautious about bringing him in if I was Villa. Um, 
if if Thomas Frank were to take the job, he's the type of manager I could see Brentford going for, though. But yeah, I could see Casper Hillman's being someone that they definitely would look at. Um, the Mines manager, whose name is escaping me at the moment, Bo Svensson. Uh, I could definitely see Bo Svensson being someone that Villa would look at. I also think he's someone Brighton will look at if Frank were the one. But there's, there's three stand, four standout candidates for me. Yeah, Frank, Gallardo, Pochettino and Amram. I wonder if they'd have the the ambition to go for Gallardo, considering he hasn't managed in Europe. And it would be a big, ballsy move. Pochettino's the most proven and the safest of them, without question. But Gallardo would be really fun. Amram, Amram is the one I would go with, if I could pick anybody. I mean, and it would be, if he could go there and have four year, really good, or three and a half really good years, he could put himself in prime position to do what I hope happens, and he's the one that replaces Klopp. Um, anyway, we'll move past that. Best of luck to Stevie and whatever he does next. I think he should take a break. I think he should go and manage a championship club next. Even if he waits till next summer and spends the rest of the season just relaxing, having having fun and going, traveling around, you know, observing the best coaches. Go to Portugal and watch Amram coach and watch Conceição coach. Go and do these things. Go to do a trek around La Liga. See how Ancelotti works. See how Xavi's working. See how Simeone works. And pick up ideas. I mean, Xavi's a peer of yours. And look what he's doing. These are the people you should be aspiring to match. But remember, Xavi took his first job in Qatar out of the limelight. Barca was too early for him, but he's clearly got something. Go to France. Look at some really interesting coaches. Same in Syria. Go to Germany. Spend a bit of time with Alonso. See if he can pick up different bits. But don't jump straight back in and don't go back to Rangers. Don't go back to Rangers. Um, I missed a few questions yesterday. Oh, there was one other Premier League game uh, last night. Should point out Leicester beat Leeds 2 0. Robin Cock and Harvey, uh, Robin Cock on goal and Harvey Barnes with the goals for Leicester. Lifts Leicester off the bottom of the table. They are now 19th. Um, Eight points for the season. Probably lifts a little bit of the pressure off Rodgers, but Rodgers is clearly next man to go, and Hassan Hootl is in that mix. I think Jesse Marsh, unfortunately, is starting to feel a little bit of pressure. Baffling to me is that people aren't talking about Frank Lampard and the possibility that he could get the sack, considering his team are below Southampton. They've got one point more than Leeds, who have a game in hand. And if they were to get a point in that game in hand, would go above them. Um, They've got one point more than Villa, who've just sacked their manager, one point more than Wolves, who sacked their manager, and only two points more than Leicester, who are going to sack their manager at some point. And yet, nobody's talking about how dreadful Frank Lampard has done. Eight goals for the season. Only Villa, Wolves and Forest have scored less. Yet, the defensive record is is decent. But it's decent because you don't attack. Like, it's not rocket science. Um, missed a couple of questions on Questions Day yesterday. Um, so firstly, Kevin Clark asked, did I know much about Gallardo? Yeah. I mean, I watched River Plate play a lot in the Copa Libertadores, but wouldn't watch a whole lot of Argentinian club football, but he certainly looks like a real managerial talent and he's done exceptional work there. The brand of football is exciting. There's a couple of good tactical pieces written about him. One on Total Football Analysis, that's worth worth your while, but you do, I think, have to be a subscriber to read that one. Do you know much about 
Facundo. I can't even pronounce the guy's surname. The young attacking midfielder that plays for Rosario Central is the player I've been asked about. I haven't watched him. I I know he's exceptionally highly rated. 17-year-old attacking midfielder uh, linked to Brighton and a couple of other clubs. Um, I don't know enough about him to really give an opinion is the honest truth of it. Uh, Rick M, can you name a defender, midfielder and attacker from the last 30 years of the Premier League that you put into the current City team to improve them even more? They have to be able to play the way Pep wants. Um, Well, I would say defender... Virgil if I can't have modern day Gary Pallister would be a really nice fit Paul McGrath would be a really nice fit Ricardo Carvalho would be a great fit but I think I'd go Saul Campbell pace physical early dominant good on the ground really strong tackler great defender Saul Campbell would improve this City team. Uh, If I'm going midfielder, modern midfielder, Thiago, obviously, I think he improves them. I think he's better than Gundogan, and he's obviously a perfect fit for how Pep plays, having played from before and come up in the same school of thought at Barcelona. Um, Looking backwards, I mean, Paul Scholes would have fit like a dream in this team. Paul Scholes in the Gundogan role, sensational. And an attacker, um, Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs. It, the best city was the version with Leroy Sané left wing. Ryan Giggs was a sensational left winger and could absolutely play in this style of play. And you just play Foden on the right. Um, so, yeah, there's the three. Um, James, what did you think of Brewster when he was at the club? And what are your thoughts on the sale when it happened? Seems like the move's gone terribly. What do you think went wrong? Um, I I always had doubts that he could make it at Liverpool because he just didn't seem to have enough to his game. Um, very much a poacher, very much a player that played on instinct. Obviously, very talented, but we the price we got was bananas, considering it wasn't like he played a whole bunch of football before he moved. Like they literally bought him on the strength of a 20 game loan spell at Swansea in which he scored 11 goals in 22 games. Well, 10 and 20 in the league. He played four games for Liverpool. So he had done nothing for Liverpool. Um, Though funnily enough, he does have a, a Champions League winner's medal. So congrats to him for that. They overpaid massively. Um, it's there's look, he's got the talent, and I do think there is a world in where he makes it work there. But I think he needs to play in a certain like in a specific style of football where the ball is kept on the floor a lot more and there's a lot of interchange. Like if you could find a a poor man's version of City, you know, at the championship level. Um, I think then he could really get a lot of goals with his movement in and around the box, or even a poor man's version of Arsenal. Because he could do something of a of an impression of what Gabriel Jesus does. Doesn't have the dribbling ability, but he can drop wide and make runs from that area. He can knock the ball by a player and run. Um, he's got good touch. He's got good control. Um, Sheffield United, unfortunately, there's... a. They play some nice football, but there's also a little bit of agriculture in the in their game, and that just doesn't work for them. And also, I mean, one of the biggest problems has been the lad just can't stay fit. This season he's done fairly well, but he's in and out of the teams, and it's just not going to work from there, I don't think. Not under this manager anyway. Uh, AMK2889. Listed below are players, English players not playing in England. How would this team fare in the league? What would you... Would you change the formation and are there any players abroad you would select over the players I picked? What manager, any nationality would be best for this team? Right. So we've got Etienne Green in goal. We've got Reese Oxford right back, Tavanier left back, Tamori and Smalling as the centre back pairing. 
Um, Bellingham, Winks, and Deli Ali in midfield. Hudson Adoy, Abraham, and Noni Mudeki up front. Uh, the first thing I would look to do is I would look to get Marcus Edwards, who you've got on the bench, into the team. So on the bench, we've got Connor Golston, Joe Hart, um, Ronaldo Vieira, Angel Gomes, or Gomez, um, Adam Ola-Luckman, Marcus Edwards, and Mavadidi. Um, changed, I would change the formation. I would. By the way, Mavadidi is a funny player. A funny, funny player. Um, what a bizarre career. The fact that he was at Juventus for a couple of years is just so strange. But he's done well. At Montpellier, it must be said he's having it. But he had a good season last year. Um, I go back three with Oxford and Tamori either side of Smalling, Etienne Green in goal. I would play Do you know what? You might just have to go all out attack in this because there's, there's so many attackers, not enough, um, not enough defensive players. I just Tavanier wouldn't be for me. Um, we'll bring Ronaldo Vieira into the team, along with Winks and Bellingham. Gonna drop Delhi because I'm just fed up with Delhi, to be honest. Um. We'll go Hudson-Odoi and Edwards as as wingers, but they'll be also the nominal wingbacks. But we'll get Ronaldo Vieira and Winks to do more of the defensive work and they can play more attacking role and obviously Bellingham getting forward as well. And then we'll go Noni and Tammy Abraham up front. Um, what manager? Um... Gasparini, because it'd have to be an attacking coach. It would have to be somebody who's a little bit bat, bat shit and wants to just, you know, destroy everything in front of him. So, yeah, I'll go with him. Um, yeah, it, Look, it'd be a fun team. This, the, it just shows there is a, a number of good English players playing abroad. And if there was a left back, I think it'd be, um, even a, if there was a left back, it'd just be a lot better. Um, is there no English left backs playing abroad? There has to be somebody. John Joe Kenny is the closest thing. John Joe Kenny. Yeah, I mean, I would have hoped for better. Joe, <laughs> Joe Bryan. Joe, there you go. Playing at Nice. There you go. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They signed another left back this summer as well. OGC Nice. They brought in two left backs this summer, and I know it. I found it strange. Hang on, hang on. They've also brought in obviously Aaron Ramsey and a rather bizarre. Stra- oh no, no, no! They brought in Ramsey and Ross Barkley. God, God, what a strange summer. Um. No, I'm going to go with what I said. I think that's fine. Uh, we'll do the gospel. When we come back, then after the break, we'll have Mr. Drinkle joining us, and we're going to run through, and I do mean run through, the 10 Premier League games for this weekend. So, Chelsea are ready to allow Romelu Lukaku to remain on loan at Inter Milan next season before writing off millions of pounds by selling him. Crystal Palace are considering a January move for Ben Brayton Diaz. Uh, Sevilla, Everton, Leeds and Fulham also in the race for him. It'd be a really good signing for, for Leeds, actually, because they desperately need a striker. Uh, Wolves should also have a look. Arsenal could try and sign Evan and Dicke from Eintracht Frankfurt in January. Would make sense. They could do a competition for Gabriel. Um, 
AC Milan are interested in signing Armando Broglie. I think he'd actually fit really well there. You play him as the nine with Leo on the left and the Ketelier behind. That's all of a sudden something that you could really get excited about. Young, super talented, physical. AC Milan are also keen on Hakim Zayic and hope to secure a six-month loan. They've been looking at him for a couple of years now, it seems. Galatasaray are targeting Ilkay Gundogan, who has a year left, less than a year left on his contract. I I just don't understand how City wouldn't give him an extension. Arsenal, Manchester City, Juventus, Roma and AC Milan are all interested in Celtic and Republic of Ireland midfielder Rocco Vata. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Please. Please just leave him at Celtic. He's got a contract till 2024. Leave him alone. Do not need him going off and getting lost in the shuffle at some behemoth academy. That kid might be the most talented Irish player to come along in the last 15 years. So leave him be. Manchester United forward Cristiano Ronaldo is facing a £1 million fine by the club for walking out of the win over Tottenham. If that sounds extreme, that is just two weeks' wages for him. So just bear that in mind. Two weeks' wages, a million quid. Uh, He also refused to come off the bench. He was asked to go on as a sub. He refused, and he went walking off with what proved to be six minutes left in the game. And yet, there are still... Manchester United fans and pundits defending him. Uh, United could let the 37-year-old go for free in January if nobody will sign him. No one wants him. So you might as well just let him go. MLS side into Miami could make a move for the Portugal talisman. He should definitely go to America and see how that works out. Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City have sent scouts to watch Napoli and Georgia winger Kevicha, whose surname I'm not going to try and say. Uh, he is spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. He should stay at Napoli for a while. Arsenal were interested in sign- signing Calvin Bassey from Rangers before he moved to Ajax. I said at the time I thought they should have signed him. There was no rumours at the time, no links. So, it, you know, this is from something called Own Goal Nigeria. I'm not aware of what that outlet is. But Calvin Bassey would have been a good fit as a backup to Gabriel and a backup to Tierney at left back. Obviously, they bought Zinchenko, but I still think that Zinchenko's better in midfield than he is at left back. And I'd rather have Zinchenko competing with Granit Xhaka for that role and have, you know, a Bassi or an Evan and Dicker backing up um, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney, be stronger defensively and have a better balance in midfield. Um Slovakia midfielder Stanislav Lobotka is yet to sign or is set to sign a new deal with Napoli despite interest from Arsenal, Tottenham, and Liverpool. Um tremendous ball winner. Tremendous ball winner. Lacks a little bit technically, but yeah, he's a good player, and, and it's good for Napoli that they're getting to keep hold of him. Uh, that'll do the gossip for the day. I will be back after the break with Young Drinkles. So see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So before Guy comes in, we have some really sad news from the footballing world. Frank Ribery has been forced to retire due to a recurring knee injury. Uh, Very few players have given me more enjoyment over the last 15, 16 years than Frank Ribery. What a wonderful player. One of the most talented wingers of all time would just twist defenders up into pretzels. Had a bizarre career, like didn't follow convention at all. Three different academies, Bouillon, Elise, Brest, then went to Max, made his name there, went to Galatasaray. There was a whole big kerfuffle because he decided he didn't want to be in Turkey. He found his way to Marseille, was really good there. 
Bayern Munich obviously snapped him up and for 12 years he was just a, an absolute icon in Bavaria. When leaving, I think a lot of people assumed he'd retire given he was 36. Rocks up to Fiorentina is just brilliant. So much fun to watch for them, twisting the blood of defenders. Leaves them, and again, everybody just assumes, well, he's he's going to retire, clearly. Uh, the man is 38 years of age. Goes to Salernitana, was, I thought, really, really good for them last season. Uh, they finished 17th, avoided relegation. I think he was a big part of that. And this season, he's played once and he's gotten injured. And that looks like that will be that for Frank Ribery. Um, They're currently 14th as well, so they're having a good old run. But, well, I say a good old run. They're 14th. It's it's good for them. Um, oh, that's such a shame. That's such a shame. 39, 22-year professional career. What a player. What an absolutely joyous player. If you're not as familiar with Frank Ribery, just go on YouTube and just put in Frank Ribery highlights, Frank, Frank Ribery mix, whatever, and just watch that fella make the very best defenders look really, really silly. That's kind of ruined my day now. Um, so it's a good time to bring in Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I'm here to ruin it further. How are you, doing? <laughs> I'm good. I've already made you record your own podcast. You, you did indeed. It. You did Absolutely. indeed. I'd like to say, though, I'd like to say before we begin, I think my predictions have been better in the last couple of weeks. I think I did quite well in the um, the week where, you know, Wolves beat Forest and Tottenham beat Everton and West Ham said Hampton. I, said, I think I said it said Hampton win, but it turned out to be a draw. I think I did pretty well in midweek. We finally got our Southampton win. <laughs> we got our Southampton win. No, I did get a couple wrong. Like I got United um, Spurs wrong. And, and I got whatever. that right, though. So we got it right by aggregate. So. There you go. So so together as a team, we got it right. Um, but we've got we've got 10 games. We have limited time to get through these. We do. So let's get stuck into them and get these rattled through as quickly as we can. We will only focus on Chelsea Man United. That is our aim for today. <laughs> um, Nottingham Forest, Liverpool. Uh, injuries, both teams have injuries. Liverpool probably rotate a bit because, well, the injuries and the effort against City seem to break them a bit. Um, but let's be honest, regardless if Liverpool did turn around their form or not, they still should have been beating Forest, who are now bottom of the table. Yes, this is most win for Liverpool. They have to go out and get a result here. They haven't won away from home in the Premier League yet this season, which is a concern, but this is their best opportunity. Forest at bottom of the league. Forest have not been good this season. They're struggling at both ends of the pitch. Liverpool will be without Diaz, Matip, Keita, probably Kanate, uh, Arthur and Jota. Forest will be without Omar Richards, Jack Colback, Lewis O'Brien, Moussa Kate, probably Harry Tofolo, and probably Renan Lodi. So they're going to have to move things around as well. I'm just going to go for the Liverpool win. I think it should be a relatively straightforward game for them, but they are making things harder for themselves than they need to be. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Liverpool. And by that, he means 3-1 to Nottingham Forest. 3-1 to Nottingham Forest, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. 3-1 to Nottingham Forest. I'd forgotten. Yeah. We're going 3-1 to Nottingham Forest here, and we're reverse jinxing our way to wherever we can get to. So 3-1 Nottingham Forest. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have, oh, God, Everton against Crystal Palace. Um, shall we just fill in a nil-nil and move on? You know when you see a fridge... And I you sit there. Played that much this season, but it, it, hang on a second. <laughs> but you know when you sit there and you expect your fridge door to open, or you know to move or something, and you are the only person who is surprised when the fridge door doesn't open automatically and the fridge doesn't move across the floor. That must be what it's like to be an Everton fan watching this team. They expect this team to score goals. Nobody else does. 
because this Everton team is not designed to score goals. This Everton team is designed to to get nil-nil draws. That is what Frank Lampard is doing. Frank Lampard is a dreadful manager. Like, he is the worst manager in the league. Now, there was definitely a case that it might have been Gerrard, but Gerrard's now gone. So it is Frank, and it's not close. I am going to say that going into this game, I think Crystal Palace will win. Everton are getting players back, which is positive for them. But still no Godfrey, still no Townsend, still no Patterson, and still no Mina. Whereas with Palace, no Klein, no Richards, no Ferguson, Will Hughes is back, no Butland, no MacArthur. I'm going to say Palace win this game. I think Palace defensively are better as individuals. I think they're better in midfield. And the Palace front line is a real threat, whereas I don't think the Everton front line is because Calvert-Loon doesn't get any supply. Um, The risk here, obviously, for Palace is the pace of Gordon and Gray, if Gordon can ever remember how to stay on his feet. Uh, The most yellow cards in the league this season, by the way, is Anthony Gordon with six, five of which have come for diving. Uh, So I will go ahead and say I think Palace win a very boring game 1-0. Yeah, yeah, that'll be uh, not a fun one. Um, Man City against Brighton. Um, Man City obviously didn't have a midweek game, so maybe this is the uh, retribution game. So I feel sorry for Brighton that Erling Haaland's had a full week rest and is going to be a big angry Norwegian man. Yes, he is. And you have to feel a little bit sorry for De Zerbi, mm. who's had a very tough start to life at Brighton. Um, no Motor, no Matomo, Matoma, no uh, Levi Colwell for Brighton. Um, Colwell hasn't played yet this season, but I'm, I was hoping he was going to get some games soon. Uh, for City, Stones is a doubt, Walker's out, and Phillips is out. City will win this game. They're at home. Now, Brighton are the type of team that, you know, will go there and believe they can get something. And Deserby's style of football dictates that they have to take the game to City. But if you take the game to a team that has De Bruyne, Foden and Haaland, I just think you're in big trouble. I think you're in big, big trouble. So I'm going to say 3-1 to City. Yeah, it'd certainly be goals for City in that one, you'd imagine. Um, the game we'll focus on then, because it's the big one of the weekend, that's Chelsea against Man United. Um, Man United, obviously, a really positive result in midweek. Um, Rashford, the main threat, even though Laurie's had a bit of a worldie, to be fair to him. Whereas Chelsea, I didn't even see the highlights, because there probably wasn't any highlights in a 0-0 draw with ben- Brentford, to be fair. Um <sighs> The I... highlights were Kepa making two more Was it? Okay. saves. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, to be fair, we've seen Potter beat Man United quite comfortably in the past, but mm, will Man United this season? Yeah, but will Man United approach a game like against Chelsea in similar ways? So it'd be an interesting duel, I suppose. Well, the United performance against Spurs. Forget the result for a second. Mm-hmm. The performance was the most impressive performance we've seen from an Eric Ten Hag team at United so far. Um, as opposed to you know the Liverpool game, the Arsenal game, uh, the Spur, the the Southampton game, the Leicester game, where they parked the bus and tried to hit on counterattacks, this was more like what we were seeing at Ajax with a higher press, with quick interchanges, building through the midfield. Um, this was much more impressive. This was the best performance so far. On the flip side. Chelsea had their worst performance under Potter since probably his first game, which you're not really going to criticise him too much for. Um, Going into this game, Chelsea have no Kante. He's out, done for the World Cup. Conor Gallagher is a doubt, but should be okay. Wes Fafana and Reese James, they're out and probably, like Kante, not going to be back until after the World Cup. United have a lot of issues, though. Now, Cristiano is suspended, obviously, because of the shenanigans the other night. That's a good thing. <clears throat> There's other players out, but nobody really that would impact the game uh, in terms of playing. The big thing here 
they can't play the same way against Chelsea that they did against Spurs because Chelsea will carve them apart. Spurs don't have that ability to dynamically move the ball from back to front the way Chelsea do. They don't have the invention that Chelsea have in their team. And frankly, Potter and Conte just play very different football. So I would expect United to go there to park the bus and try and hit them on the counter and hurt them that way. And it could very well be successful for them. Um, So I'm going to go for the draw. I think I'll go for the draw. I'll go 2-2. I think it'll be a good game of football. I think it's a nice balance between styles of play. What, What I expect from Ten Hag this week. If he goes flat out and wants to try and match up with Potter, I think his team will get cut apart. If he tries to match up and go all out the way he did against Spurs, I think he'll get cut apart. But if they play the Ollie ball they have been playing, I expect a better showing in a 2-2. Yeah, I can agree with that. We shall move on to Sunday before my internet goes again, people. So I apologise if there is a drop in quality. Uh, but starting off on Sunday, we have managers, managerless Villa against Brentford, but that may change in the next, well, in the next couple of days. Probably not for this game, though. Um, maybe just the freedom of losing Gerard as a manager might do something, but the way they were playing anyway, it was just turgid. And Brentford, as we always say about Brentford, they're just um, efficient. Mm. Efficient and well-coached. And it is interesting that Thomas Frank is yes. yeah. one of the managers that Villa are apparently interested in. So no Kamara, no Douglas Luiz, who's now suspended for a couple of games. No Dinia, no Augustinson, and no Diego Carlos for Villa. For Brentford, no Pontus Janssen, no Strakosha, no Hickey, and no Norgard. Uh, Hickey apparently out until after the World Cup. Strakosha out until after the World Cup and Janssen out until after the World Cup. So they're long-term injuries for a small squad, but at least the break will help. Um, I can't see how Villa can be any worse. They are at home. The fans have now gotten what they want, so it's up to the fans to put on a proper atmosphere here. So I'm going to back Villa to get something from the game. I don't think they'll win, but I think they'll get a point. I'll go 1-1. I think it could be a decent game of football, I, I just want to see Villa Park bouncing. You got you got what you wanted now. The manager's gone. Now make make the noise. Now make the noise in a positive way and get behind the team. Yeah, absolutely. I was just checking if Villa were somehow on TV again. They are not. <laughs> um, moving on there, we have Leeds against Fulham. Um, you are very critical of Leeds' centre-back options, or especially one. He keeps playing Cooper. But I, I think regardless of who plays there, I think they all might just be Mitrovic fodder. Leeds are in trouble. Leeds mm. are in a bit of trouble right now. They're they're not getting results. That's three defeats in a row, four defeats in the last five, no wins in the last five. They played well against Arsenal, but were poor last night. Um, the fans were quite vocal in their anger towards the manager and the players last night. Uh, no Stuart Dallas, no Forshaw, no Leo Hill, no Archie Gray. None of them would play anyway. Uh, but Pascal Struyck was out for the Fulham game. They'll hope he's back for this one because Junior Furpo didn't have a, a great outing. Um, or not the Fulham game, the Leicester game, sorry. Um, I, I can't see anything other than Mitrovic monstering that back line. No Dan James, no Kenny Tete. No Kurzawa, no Solomon, but Chalaba's back, so he might get another eight minutes before he gets a red card. <laughs> no, Leeds are at home, and they need a result here. They absolutely cannot afford another defeat. Because if they get another defeat, they'll potentially end the weekend in the relegation spots. Um, because I think Wolves will get a result, and I have Villa getting a result, which would mean if Leeds lose, they're in the bottom three. I am going to say Leeds get a point. I'll go 2-2. I think, again, I think it could be a fun game. I don't know how they stop Mitrovic, but I do think they can cause Fulham's backline a lot of problems because it's not great either. And Tim Ream is is simply not good enough to play in the Premier League. At some point, Silva's going to have to just bite the bullet and play Diop and Tolson. 
the two mm. best centre-backs at the club you can't carry on with Tim Ream. And this might be the game where Leeds expose Tim Ream for the, the limitations to his game. Yeah, I think that'll be a fun game, uh, a bit of weakness at both. Maybe Fulham have to address the centre-back issues in January if he doesn't fully trust Tosin. Um, but we won't go on a, a, a walk-around topic that we don't have time for. Um, we'll move on to Southampton against Arsenal, which is the uh, televised game if you actually want to watch in the UK. Um, I think on paper, everyone would just say Arsenal, easy win, but we did see Leeds give Arsenal problems and Southampton are a front-footed team as well, so it could be an interesting one, but I think everyone would agree Arsenal should win still. Yeah, no question Arsenal should win this game. They're comfortably the better team. Southampton are struggling. But, you know, Southampton are just really, really weird. Um, Going into the game, Arsenal, no Smith-Rowe. Zinchenko's still a doubt. Sack is a bit of a doubt. And Elneny is out. For Saints, uh, Livermento's still out. Bella Co- excuse me, Bella Kotchup is out. Lavi is probably another week away. Maitland-Niles can't play because he's an Arsenal player uh, on loan. And uh, Kyle Walker-Peters, they're not expecting him to be, be available either. Um, I'm just going to go for the Arsenal win. I, I think the form they're in, it would be a massive surprise if they lost any ground here. I, I don't even see Saints getting a point I think with the confidence in the Arsenal team, the movement among the front line, I think will cause Southampton trouble. And Southampton just don't have a reliable enough goal threat Mm -hmm. to expose some of the frailties in that Arsenal defence. So I'll go 2-0 to the Arsenal. Yep, certainly see that myself as well. Now, this is an interesting game at the bottom of the table. I think both these teams have somewhat started to turn around, but it's more so in Leicester's case probably because Wolves, we don't know. And they announced, is it Steve? Is it Steve Davis? I can't remember the coach's name, but he's t- he's keeping in charge till after the World Cup, I think he said. Um, so they have a bit of stability at least. But Leicester, I'm guessing Madison's back after suspension as well. Good result uh, yesterday. Mm. Um, should be an interesting game, but I think maybe a low scoring one as well. Yeah, I don't see many goals in this one. It's Wolves, so it won't be many goals. Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so no Chiquinho. Tote may be back. Nuri's back. Jimenez, Kalazadzic, and Neto all ruled out. For Leicester, no Ricardo Pereira, no Will Fendidi. Madison is back, like you said. Maguire, uh, Evans is a doubt. Albrighton is a doubt. Sayunchu is out and could be out for a while, and Ryan Bertrand is out. So it's going to be a patch together Leicester team in defence. It's going to be a patch together Wolves team in attack. This game will probably be won and lost in midfield, and I think I'd put a bit more faith in the Wolves midfield, all things considered. At some point, Leicester have got to start getting things right. They had a good result, like you said, in the week, but that came off the back of a poor performance at home to Palace, a poor defeat away to Bournemouth. Um, They'd obviously walloped Forest before that, but that was their first win of the season. So two wins on the year, and they followed the last one up with a defeat, and I think they're going to follow this one up with a defeat as well. I'm going to go for the Wolves win. I'm going to say a 1-0 victory for the home side. I think it's the right decision to hold off on appointing a manager until you find someone that you're actually sure of. Um, You've been turned down by your seemingly top two targets. Time to reassess. Don't just jump into something else. Um, And like I said, like they were, they were, they played well against palace. They were very unfortunate not to get something from the game the week before they did beat forest. I think they'll beat Leicester one nil. Yeah. I think it'll be boring either way. Yes. Um, now, this one, next one, another televised game for UK people, Spurs against Newcastle. Um, Spurs are weird. I, I'm sure you saw the stats. I think we're the second or third in terms of shots conceded, which I think's always been a part of Conte's system is letting shots off, but just in poor areas. But 
to be second or third in that in that regard, it's just not something a top six team can do sustainably. I don't think. No. Whereas Newcastle, they're just kind of chugging along. I think obviously some good results recently, and people have stepped up like um, Almiron. Uh, as long as Cal Wilson's fit, but rotation etc. should be interesting. And and, and we both like the midfield with Joel Linton and Bruno there, and whoever's with them. So I think this could be a fun game. To be fair. I think it will be. I think it will be. Now, Toon starting to get some players back as well. Uh, Isak obviously out till after the World Cup. Darlow's out for a while, but he's the backup or third-choice keeper. Unfortunately, St. Maximin has had a relapse and he's going to be out a couple yeah. more weeks. It remains to be seen what happens with Jolington. He hurt his knee at the week uh, in the week, so we'll see. Uh, Richie's out. Kraft is out. There's... A small squad there. So when you start to take players out, it becomes an issue. Um, Spurs are, are bizarre. Like, I, I just don't understand the United game, right? They played three centre-backs, wing-backs, and three defensive midfielders. And yet United still have shots galore. Now, Eric Dyer was awful. Uh, I thought Ben Davies was awful. It's notable how little United got from their left side, from the left side, than the right side because Romero is just much better than the other two. Um, but Matt Doherty's just, he's not good. And Perisic is struggling a bit. His age, the Premier League, yada, yada. No Kulosevsky is such a big blow. They have no one else to link midfield to attack. Nobody else seems capable. Could not just run with Brian Hill. I mean, he can't be worse. He can't be worse. He can't be worse than nobody. He cannot yeah. be worse than nobody. Like, Lucas Moura could be an option, but for whatever reason, Conte just seems stuck on wanting to play Heusberg every game, despite the fact that he is inconsistent and has always been inconsistent. He's a good player, but the reason he's not a great player is because he's inconsistent. Give Basuma and Bentoncourt an opportunity, and I think they will reward you. Give Jed Spence a chance, and I think he will reward you. Mm. Try Sessignon again. Emerson Royale's back, don't worry. Emerson Royale's back, so he'll be starting. Don't <laughs> yeah. you worry about that. Now, it will make them stronger defensively. It will, but yeah. It doesn't help them going forward. Maybe maybe play Doherty as the one to carry the ball, just because at least he can kick it and run. Um, Spurs need to win this game, because yeah. that's two defeats in their last four. Mm-hmm. And... They've played a game more than City and Arsenal, and yet they're four points behind Arsenal. Now, I I still think they'll finish above Arsenal because I'd back Conte and that group of Spurs players over Arteta and that group of Arsenal players over the long run. But you can't afford to give Arsenal too much of a head start. Like, I know they fell apart last season, and, and I think they'll have a big old stumble at some point this season. But you don't want to be 12 or 14 points behind them with 11 games left and hoping that they fall fall over. So I think Spurs have to win. Newcastle are on a good run, though. Three wins in the last four. Um, that came, obviously, off a run where they didn't win in six. But they've only lost once, once this season. They've proven tough to beat. They've got the best defensive record in the league. But I think Harry Kane will have joy. I think he will have joy in this game. So I'm going to go 2-1 to Spurs. Which would be a big result, as you say, of uh, mm. Newcastle only losing to Liverpool um, in funny circumstances for us too. <laughs> yeah. But we'll uh, we'll move on to Monday's game anyway. Um, West Ham against Bournemouth. Um, West Ham have just been funny. They showed spells against Liverpool, but I think that was more to do with who came off for Liverpool rather than yeah. West Ham. Um improving they did improve but as we said I think that was Thiago coming off more than anything um whereas Bournemouth they lost to Southampton but it was going to happen at some point and Southampton are the weirdest team to do it against so I still think this will be a tough game for West Ham I'm not sure why this has got a Monday night football slot man but um these two are next to each other in the table actually Mm. I didn't realize that um yeah 13 v 12 yeah but I feel like this is still more important for West Ham because 13th's not good enough for a team like that, to be fair. No, it's not. West Ham have to win this game. They have to win this game. 
it would be completely unacceptable for any other result to take place. Um, Lucas Paquette is going to be out for a while with a bad shoulder injury. Uh, Craig Dawson is out. Max Cornet is out and probably won't be back for this one. Agard's getting close, but they're still expecting it will be sort of the beginning of November before he's back. Bournemouth, David Brooks still working his way back, obviously, after after his um, his fight with cancer. And Lloyd Kelly is still out. But other than that, they're at full strength. West Ham did show for half an hour against Liverpool what they can do. Um, we know that they've got some dangerous players. We know that Bowen can be a match winner. We know that Antonio can be a match winner. Uh, Skimaka has shown that he's a very, very good player. Declan Rice needs to enforce himself more on games. And I think this is the type of game he really can just go out and look around and think, I am by far the best player in the midfield today and just run the show. So I'm going to back West Ham to win. Monday night, under the lights, at their own stadium, with a packed house, I'm going to go 3-1 West Ham. I think the wheels will come off a little bit for Bournemouth now because, look, they're not good. They had a good run. I can see them losing a few in a row here. Um, it's West Ham, then it's Spurs, then Leeds away. I could see them losing all three. The um, Leeds game is massive. The Leeds game is massive. And then they finish up with Everton twice, once in the League Cup, once in the effort in the in the league. They're both at home. I could see them winning one of those games and losing the other or getting a draw on the other. But I could see them very easily losing the next three games. Home to West Ham, away to uh, sorry, away to West Ham, home to Tottenham, away to Leeds. I think they lose all three of those, and then maybe get a point against Everton. Um, so I'm going to go three one West Ham, and I think that will do us for today. We are a little bit strapped at time. We did have some technical issues, so apologies for that. But we will be back Monday. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you to Guy, and we will see you Monday. Bye bye. Podcast Network.